Uh, we're here this morning because our God is worthy um, and we are made to worship him. We're made to worship him. I don't know if you find that an exciting thought or a troubling thought or maybe you're just not really that bothered about it at all. But we're going to think about worship this morning. Um, our Kingfisher Church Statement of Faith um, is what we're working through on our all-age services. There are nine sections in our Statement of Faith uh, summarising what the Bible says about the most important things. So far we've looked at what the Bible says about God, about the Bible, about man, about Jesus, about salvation. And the next section is all about the Holy Spirit. What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? So, um, let's, let's start off, let's, let's hear what we, what do we know about the Holy Spirit? Call out what we know about the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity, the of the Trinity. that's deep, isn't it? He is God. He is God. A comforter? An advocate. Reveals truth, yeah. Boaz, are you trying to say something? The world. He made the world. <coughs> He's here. He's here, isn't he? Golly. That's, um, that's immense, isn't it? That's immense. Claire. He shows our sim. The Bible says a lot about the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? Um, it says an awful lot. Um, we're not going to look at all of it today. And um, I think it is worth noting that for some, the Holy Spirit, talk of the Holy Spirit is a matter of controversy. Um, I've heard people describe a church by saying that church doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit. And other people say this church, all it believes is the Holy Spirit. And if either of those things were true, neither of them would be a church. Um, it's a real sadness that just a tiny part of what the Bible teaches about the Spirit has become a cause of so much trouble. Um, so we won't think about it. Um, he is God, and that is true. The Holy Spirit, he is God. We know that because the Bible says he does the things only God can do. As he said, um, he is the third person of the Trinity. There is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, which is mind-bending and wonderfully important. And we're going to focus on the Spirit this morning, uh, who one with the Father and the Son is God, and so he is to be worshipped and adored. We're going to think about how we do that. How do we worship and adore him? And um, Well, it's hard to honour someone we don't know very well. Um, so let me, let me pick on Ben. Ben, can you stand up for me? So stand up. And this is Ben. Say hi to Ben. This is my friend Ben. I, I'm going to introduce Ben in a number of ways, and you need to tell me if they're true or false, okay? So, so first thing, uh, my friend Ben. Uh, my friend Ben lives in Scotland. Uh, he's very Scottish. He's never actually left Scotland. False. Obviously false. He's here today, isn't he? So, so he can't have never have left Scotland. Okay, uh, next one. Um, uh, um, uh, Ben's profession is a builder. That's just you need to know that, right? So this next thing. Let, let, let me introduce Ben. And uh, this is my friend Ben. Uh, ben is a brick building. True or false? False. Metaphorically, maybe, um, but, but he's not. He has something to do with bricks and buildings, but he's not a brick building, is he? Okay, third one. Listen carefully to this. Listen carefully. This is my friend Ben. It is a brick builder. True or false? False. Why? He is a brick builder, isn't he? He's not an it, is he? There is a living, living breathing person over there. Thanks, Ben. You can sit down. Um, is it those things that we know those things are silly straight away, don't we? Because we know that's not how we talk about a person. Even if we don't know Ben very well, we know those things sound silly. Um, and if we say those things, we show we don't know him very well. The same is true with, about God. 
And if we don't know God very well, we will struggle um, to give him the honor that is due to him. So let me tell you about um, someone called Basil. Uh, Basil lived in Turkey hundreds of years ago, uh, and he was a church leader. Um, And as a church leader, he got some some feedback from his congregation. Church leaders sometimes get feedback. It's very helpful. We welcome feedback. But he got some feedback, um, and and he wrote about the feedback that he got. See, people in his church listened to how he prayed in church. And sometimes when Basil prayed, he said, Glory to the Father with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Other times he said, Glory to the Father through the Son in the Spirit. And people were outraged. Are we outraged? No. No. We we barely notice the difference. I was so, so um, challenged when I first heard this. You you see, um, these these people in Basil's church, just a few words used a little bit differently. It made them think, are we thinking right about God? Have we got got God muddled up in some way? We love God so much and we, we can't quite make sense of the way that he's being spoken about. I was so challenged because I thought, maybe I don't know God as well as I thought I did. Um, but also really encouraged um, to know that there is so much more to know about God. Um, with my friend Ben, if, we, if I don't know my friend Ben very well, what can I do? Ask him, Ask him exactly. Brilliant. Bingo. Ask him. Um, listen to what he says about himself. It'd be rude just to make up stuff about Scotland. That's not true, is it? I've got to listen to him. If we don't want to know what God is like, we have to listen to what he says about himself in the Bible. Now, for those who are paying really close attention, you'll remember that the first statement, the first statement in, our, in our statement of faith says, um, there is one God who exists eternally in three distinct but equal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That part is all about who God is. Our te- focus today is on what God does. We want to listen to what the Bible says specifically about what the Holy Spirit does. Um, this is our attempt to condense it in our statement of faith. I'll read it out for us. Um, what does it say? Uh, the Holy Spirit has been sent from heaven to glorify Christ and to apply his work of salvation. He convicts sinners, imparts spiritual life, and gives true understanding of the scriptures. He indwells all believers, brings assurance of salvation, and produces increasing likeness to Christ. He builds up the church and empowers its members for worship, service, and mission. Uh, we're going to think a bit about well, well, we're going to look a bit at the Bible, which will help us to understand some of this, which is um, uh, John chapter 16. If you have a Bible, it would be great to turn to John 16. We're just going to look at just a couple of verses. Um, it is on the screen behind me, but it will help if you've got um, your Bible open. Um, let me turn to that in my Bible. Uh, John 16, starting at verse 12, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Now, why is he saying that? Well, well, well Jesus says these things um, on the night that he's betrayed. He's about to be betrayed, and tomorrow he's going to be crucified. Um, and his disciples know that, and they are devastated. Uh, he's, he's just said to them, you are filled with grief. Their best friend is about to go and to leave them, and all they can think about is Jesus is going away. Uh, and then Jesus says something very strange in verse 7. He says, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. 
You see, the disciples think that Jesus leaving them is the very worst thing that can possibly happen. And Jesus says, no, it's not. It is better this way. Because when he goes, he's going to send the advocate, the spirit. So he says this um, in this passage here. Uh, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus wants uh, the disciples to think about God, the triune God, Father, Son and Spirit and the different jobs they have to do. So I'm going to need some helpers with this. I need three helpers at this point. Uh, Can you volunteer? Yeah, Joshua, Joshua's always first, isn't he? Matty and Jacob, brilliant. Right, can you come up to the front? Okay, so, uh, let me think. Uh, Matty, can you stand on this end? Jacob, can you stand in the middle? And Joshua, can you stand here? Brilliant, I face that way. Right, what I have here is a bag of chocolates. Don't worry, Micah, you'll get your moment. It's going to come. You ready for it, Micah? Special bag of chocolates. Can you eat chocolate? No, good. There we go. Brilliant. Bag of chocolates. Lots of sweet goodness in here. Um, right. Uh, so we're going to start with number one here. God the Father, represented, illustrated. He's not God the Father. This is God the Father um, for the sake of the illustration. Uh, Jesus says about the Father, uh, he speaks about all that belongs to the Father. And he's speaking about what belongs to the Father with respect to what we most need. Uh, what we need is a lovely package of goodness. Can you hold that? Lovely package of goodness. You see, what we most need, the Bible says, is that we have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. And because of our sin, we deserve God's punishment and we're heading towards a lost eternity. We have a great need, um, says the Bible, but God has what we most need. He has love, he has light, he has life, he has all those wonderful good things that bring us forgiveness and rescue and and life. God the Father has all things, they belong to him. Uh, But Jesus says this, he says... All that belongs to the Father is mine. Number two, God the Son. That's right, yeah. yeah. So God the Father, you pass to God the Son, the passage of goodness. God the Son, you take, take, take the bag. Good stuff. There we go. See, it's a, heavy, it's a heavy package, isn't it? So much goodness in it. It's so heavy. Um, all that the Father has is mine, says Jesus. You see, before God made anything else, he made this great, wonderful plan all together. Um, and his plan was to pour out the riches of his grace on undeserving sinners. Uh, and the great gift that he planned to make was to, was to pay for our sins by the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. The only way he could fix what was broken in the world was, was through the work of Jesus. And so the son of God came, he became a living and a breathing man so that he could give that living and that breathing to pay the ransom, um, to pay the price for sinners, uh, to come back to God. That was the son's whole mission in the world was to do everything needed to bring sinners under the infinite flow of heaven's love. Um, Everything um, the Father has belongs to the Son. He takes hold of all of it, and he takes hold of all of it for our sake. He needs to give it to us. But how is he going to get it to us? Number three. Brilliant. What what he's going to do is what Jesus says. Let me click on my clicker. The next bit. The Spirit will receive from me... What he will make known to you. So, number two, 
You need to give it to number three. So you've received it. He receives it from the Son. Everything that's going to be made known to you. So the, the Spirit needs to give out all of the goodness to the people who want it. Maybe young people, but anybody else can have some sweet goodness. So can you go and give it out to people? What's in the bag? Just walk around. Give it out. Okay. Not a trick. It's not a trick. It's not a trick. Um, right, now often when, when I do things with chocolate, I forget that Mike is here who can't eat chocolate and... And so he always misses out. But today, there is one thing in that bag which is only for Micah. It hasn't got chocolate in. So if it hasn't got chocolate in, it's not for you, it's for Micah. But if you're also lactose intolerant, you are allowed to share them with Micah. And just to illustrate that God makes his special gifts particularly designed for our our own personal needs. And there we go. So you can go sit down now, boys. Um, And as those are getting passed around, let's keep listening. This is why it is better for Jesus to go. Uh, From John 16, Jesus goes um, to the cross, into the grave, and then he's raised up out of the tomb and he goes back to heaven so that from heaven he can send the Spirit to give out the gift of salvation. There isn't any saving goodness, not even the smallest drop of saving goodness that will come to us apart from that which is brought by the Spirit. Now without the Spirit, everything that Christ has done is separate from us. Now, you know when you get one of those little delivery cards um, through your door that says you weren't in, so you missed the gift? It's not with you. It's being kept by someone else. You are separate from the gift. You need someone to bring the gift to you so you can have it. That's what the Spirit does. Uh, but really, the, the, the whole kind of bag illustration falls short in a number of fairly significant ways. Uh, w- one of the ways that it falls short um, is that the package of goodness that comes to us is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our salvation. It's not something that comes out of him. It is him. He is our salvation. Um, And so when the Spirit receives from Christ and makes known to us, he is bringing Christ to us. That's the betterness of it. You see, just before Jesus said this in John 16, in John 14, he spoke about it again. He made a promise. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the Spirit of truth. Uh, Jesus is promising that the Spirit will come. Uh, And he says, when the Spirit comes, he will live with you and be in you. The Spirit is going to come, Jesus says, and he'll be in you forever. And then Jesus explains it like this. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And, And then he explains it again. He says, I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Jesus is going to the Father so that from the Father he can send the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, he's going to bring Christ to them. And what the Spirit does is he connects believers on earth with Christ who is in heaven. And he does it in such a way that he brings Christ closer to us now than he was when he was with his disciples on earth. Uh, This is how someone explains it. And this blows my mind. It says, It is through the Spirit that things infinitely disconnected disconnected by the distance of the ascension, are nevertheless infinitely closely related. Through the Spirit, Christ is nearer to us than we are to ourselves. Have you missed someone? Isaac and Samuel. (laughs) Keep on going. There we go. Right. That this is why it's better for the Spirit to go. Jesus says the Spirit comes to make these things known. Not just that we understand them in our heads, but we know them as owned. 
Uh, Another bit of the Bible puts it like this. Romans 5 says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And what is that love? Well, the next few verses say, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Spirit comes to make known that love. The Spirit comes to reveal to the souls of sinners the immense love of God in Christ. Not that we just know about it, but that this love gift is poured into our hearts because the Spirit brings Christ, who is heaven's love gift, into our hearts. We could think about it, the Spirit does something kind of objectively and subjectively. Now, the Spirit actually connects the believer to the love of God in Christ. He, he actually brings all the savings of blessings and puts them into that person so that when they believe, they are fully saved and fully loved, full stop. But the Spirit also helps the believer to know those things are true. Subjectively, he helps to persuade and convince the believer that she really is truly loved. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but when, when someone becomes a Christian, an awful lot doesn't change. If somebody's got brown eyes before they become a Christian, they've got brown eyes after. If somebody's got financial difficulty before they become a Christian, they've got financial difficulty after. If somebody has an illness when they become a Christian, usually they still have that after. A lot doesn't change. And yet, really, everything changes. Now, when someone puts their faith in Christ, it's a very simple thing. They say to God, I have done wrong. Please forgive me. Help me to follow Jesus. It's very simple. And yet, when that happens, the Spirit of God has taken residence in them and is channeling to them all of heaven's love right into their heart. Now, every... Every struggle we face in this life has an end. Every, every sorrow we have has a boundary. But this love of God poured into our hearts is boundless and full and free. You see, what happens is in John 16, Jesus goes from John 16 onto the cross. And when he's nailed on the cross, he shouts out, it is finished. And then he dies and then he's buried and then he rises on the third day. Then he goes back to heaven and from heaven he sends down the spirit to cry over us, it is is finished so that we can say by the spirit my debt is paid my life is safe my future is bright I am loved I am adopted I am cleansed I am forgiven I am known Christ lives in me and I in him and I'm held forever and ever and all that he has done it is done for me it is finished it's better than Christ went isn't it so much better God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I think we probably need to turn that into song, don't we? And let's stand together. Let's remember the great, the great love of God that has been poured upon us by the Spirit, bringing to us all the benefits of Christ's death. Um, we're going to have a little Your Story slot. Um, and so I think we're going to hear a little bit about David this morning. Thanks very much, David. Thanks, Yvonne. So, today we're going to hear David's story. So, David, um, tell us about your life um, when you were growing up. Um, I grew up in Richmond, Surrey. Um, lived in a beautiful house. Um, if someone asked me what was my childhood like, I'd say out of 100, it was like a 1,000% fantastic. I had a mother and father that loved me. I had my brother, Andrew, and my eldest brother, John. Um, we wanted for nothing. We had what you could call the perfect family. And I mean that. I mean, I... I went through primary school we had three holidays a year we went camping in the, su- in the summer we buried dad on the beach usual kind of stuff you know 
money can't buy you that sort of stuff. Those are the memories that, you know, just p perfect. Uh, two holidays a year to my mother's, to our family farm in Borrowdale, Cumberland. You know, six hours of me saying, Dad, Dad, we there, you'll be there yet. Six hours later, you drive down the road, the road ends, there is no more road. Mountains. Sheep, mountains, rain, fantastic. Where can I go? Anywhere you want. Uh, not too much on the health and safety sort of thing, but, you know. Young, free, and away you went. Um, so primary school, I leave primary school, I go to comprehensive school, and uh, that's where things started to take a downward turn with being an understatement. My father was a very intelligent aircraft engineer and a man who could fix anything and a problem solver. My mother was a very gifted nurse at all different sorts of levels. My brother John would go on, he was born to be an officer in the British Army, he would go on to be a major in the British Army. You know, he should have been born with the uniform, but... Andrew would go on and university and education and do the job that he did and married my very beautiful sister-in-law. My sister, I don't, sister-in-law's a bit technical, she's my sister. And, and then that left me and um, at a very early age at secondary school I knew this is a very, very hard thing to have to admit. Something in there doesn't quite work. There's a very tiny bit that doesn't quite work, but it's more than enough. All the kind of stuff you learn at school, which most people learn to figure out, to me it was just, what is this? And so you're lumped into a class with similar types. The alliances are formed, friendships are made. Often those friendships are made by basically beating the living daylights out of one another. And, uh, and so that progressed. So by the fourth year we weren't at school. There was no provision, no what's wrong, you know, nothing. You know, but they're not here, so we're good riddance to them. So we're out and about getting up to the usual sort of nonsense. One thing leads to another, none of it right. So I had almost lived a double life. There was home, there was my family, and then I was out and about with the people that I was, I was like them. I wasn't forced to do any of it. It was like a duck to water. And, you know, into the 20s, nothing much worse, you know, the drinking and night and all the rest of it and all the other abuse that I decided that was a good way of being. And it took me 35 years of trying to destroy myself and living in a way which, quite frankly, I find shocking to have to admit to any of you. And I never, you know, my parents must have, they never, never it was never talked about. You know, my mother in her late 80s, I found a phone book with my name on it and missing persons. I mean, I'd get into all sorts of scrapes and I'd go, you know, I wouldn't come home for weeks, I'd just be, you know... I suppose you might think, like, the first time you get stabbed, you sort of think, like, this isn't a very good situation to be in. The second time it happened, you should really think, hold on a minute. So by the time I'm 35, you know, I stopped doing that. I went away from that, but, you know, found myself in a very lonely situation. You know, one fairly dead-end job after another and so on, and... Uh, when faced with someone who I thought was like trying to insult me or just treat me like a fool, then that never ended well. Uh, I know that's wrong. So, what changed in your life, David? I suppose the death of my mother, when I hold her hand and she breathes her last breath, I knew at that moment in time that this had to change. I knew at that point my life would change forever. We'd tell the family home and I'd be 
What am I going to do next? Andrew and Sue Jane very kindly made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I won't go, but I bought their house off them and they moved around the corner to another place. So, And in between that, would you like to come to church? I'm sitting there, I don't know anybody. All right then, I'll go on. So I came to church and very, everyone's very friendly and so on, and I'm sitting there. And I'm just, what is going on? I was, you know, I did go to Sunday school, but leave, believe you me, I wanted to be on my bike with my friends. Some of that obviously stuck, quite a lot of it really. Um, and I kept coming to church, and I kept coming, and I stopped looking at my watch or looking at that clock, and thinking, well, have we done yet? <laughs> I think it's circumcision of hearts and circumcision that, and this, that, and Deuteronomy, and I think, what is going on? <laughs> and I've got, you know, many people here who I look now who I call my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'll tell you something, not once did anyone try and trick me, coerce me, or talk me into believing in something that, that I could honestly see in their eyes that they believed in passionately, which was God and Jesus Christ. And Richard then intervened with, would you like to do a course, Christianity Explored, which I'm sure most of you are aware of. So I'm now confronted with the truth, the facts, the reality of Jesus Christ. The birth of Christ, the Jesus goes and ministers, and the death of Christ, and the resurrection. And Richard comes once a week. I'm saying, I'm saying, why am I sitting here? Why am I like... I mean, if I can feel it now. This is not just emotional, it's a physical feeling. I can feel it in my body now, just talking. Standing here talking to you about this is remarkable. Only this could come from God and from Jesus, because I've been saved. Sure, I was like that. Uh, and so Richard then asked me the next, the next thing, would you, would you consider being baptised? And the word yes came out of my mouth instantly. How could I believe this and not be baptised? How could I not embrace Jesus' sacrifice for all of us and for me to be saved? And so I have been saved and here I am. Grateful to God and to all of you. That's good. I don't think we need the third question because we can see the big change in you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thanks very much, David and Yvonne. Uh, let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for what we've heard. Lord, we praise you for the reality of your working in our lives, bringing to us the blessings of Christ through the Spirit. We, we thank you that your love is real and true. Lord God, we thank you that, that David, the David story is, is true, Lord, that you have, have done those things for him, that you have brought him um, to... to a relationship with you, that he knows you as his heavenly father, uh, that his sins are forgiven. Lord, we thank you so much for the, for, for the gifts you've bestowed on him and the gift he is to us here at Kingfisher. And, and, and Lord God, we thank you that um, in, in a whole smattering of different circumstances, many of us can tell that same, that same story, how you have reached into our darkness and brought us to light and life in the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we thank you that you are a God who saves, uh, that you continue to be a God who saves, and we we, we praise you for your great saving work. Lord God, and we want to pray that you would continue that saving work, Lord, amongst us here, and, and Lord, out from here in the communities where we live. Lord God, we want to bring to you our, 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 our family homes, our friendships, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, uh, the places where we play sport, the places where we, where we carry out our life, Lord, the shops we go to, the people we mix with. 
Lord God, we pray that you would continue your saving work. Lord, even using us in our weakness, Lord, in our struggle to get our words together and to, 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 to be brave enough to say what we need to say, please would you use us in our weakness to continue to show that you are the God who saves. Uh, uh, Father, we want to pray for those resurrection books, Lord, that we've been talking about as a church as we, as we hand them out to people. Lord, we pray they'd be read. Lord God, we pray that through that, the truth of the resurrection would be impacting people's lives and that other people would come to see that the Lord Jesus Christ truly did live and die and rise again. Uh, and he is the saviour who we all need and the saviour who's offered to all. Um, so Lord, we pray that you'd continue to grow your church and glorify your great name. And Lord God, we pray that as we look to you, that we would remember that your saving blessings are continuing to us all the time. Lord God, that you, you, you continue to pour out on us grace and kindness all of the time. Um, so may we, may we put our trust in you and always trust you forever. Amen. And we're going to stand and sing um, and remember that we can still lean hard on our great God um, whose arms will never fail us. Please do take your seats. Lean on the everlasting arms. That's where we're going to spend the last, last little bit of our service thinking about how we do that as we think about the Holy Spirit. Remember in John 16, Jesus says it's better for him to go so he can send the Spirit. All that the Father has belongs to Jesus and the Spirit takes it from him and gives it to us. You see, when God planned to save us, he planned two great things. So he puts this, how um, the letter to the Galatians puts it. It says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You hear the two sendings there? God sends his son to earn our redemption. God sends his spirit to bring that to us. You see this. God is our salvation. The one God is our salvation. And how he does it is that God the Father is the origin, the mastermind, the source. God the Son is the one who does the work of our salvation. And God the Spirit is the one who brings that work to us to make it ours. Uh, but so what? So what? Uh, we are here because God is worthy. We said that at the start. And we're made to worship God, one God in three persons. If we don't know God very well, we'll struggle to worship him well. But as you think about the Spirit, it helps us to worship. I just want to pop back to John 16 to see something of how that works out and what Jesus says. Now Jesus says about the Spirit, he says this, He will glorify me. It's really helpful, isn't it, to remember that's what the Spirit does. He comes to shine the light on Jesus to show how wonderful Jesus is. But look how he does it. Now, how does the Spirit glorify Jesus? Because it is from me he will take that, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. See that the Spirit glorifies the Son by doing something to us. I mean, imagine that the Spirit is, is trying to show just how wonderful Jesus is. He's saying, how can I show how wonderful Jesus is? Uh, anybody here good at drawing? Put your hand up if you're good at drawing. Lots of people are good at drawing. How, how would we know if you're good at drawing? What would we have to do? Look at your pictures. That's right. So look at what you've done. That's how we know you're good at drawing. We look at the work you've done and we say, that's really good. And that glorifies the artist, doesn't it? 
So, so the Spirit decides, I want to show how stunning Jesus is, how great his saving work. I want to glorify Jesus. So I get what he's done, and I'm going to make it known to these people. The Spirit decides he's going to make the heart of the hell-deserving sinner bask in the comfort of knowing sins forgiven, future sure, unshakable love. That's how he glorifies Jesus. So, so what that means is when, when somebody I know, like me, or, or maybe like you, we sin, we, which we all do, and, uh, but then w- w- when we sin, we recognize that we've sinned. That's the work of the Spirit. Now he's showing that we need a Savior. Whenever we realize we need a Savior, it's the Spirit doing that. And, and then we might remember the promise of the Bible that says, if we confess our sins, God will forgive us. And, and we remember that promise because the Spirit is in us. Now, that promise was written in 1 John chapter 1 because the Spirit inspired John to write it down. And then the Spirit preserved it in the Holy Scriptures. And then the Spirit made you, you read it or you hear it. And then he made you understand it. And then he brings it to mind when you sin and you believe the promise. And you believe the promise by acting on it. You confess your sin to God. That's all the Spirit working in us. And 1 John goes on to say, God forgives us because Jesus died for our sins. That's the Spirit working in us to show how wonderful Jesus is. Or when someone, uh, well like us, when we pray, uh, we, we speak to God in heaven as our Father. And we tell him about what's going on or we ask him for things. That's the Spirit in us. It's only by the Spirit applying the work of Christ that we know God as Father. It's only by the merit of Christ that we can come to the throne of heaven and make our request known. It's the Spirit doing that. And when, when that happens, the Spirit is, is showing off the excellence of what Jesus has done. So one of the ways that we can worship practically is we just stand tall in the love of God because we stand on the merits of Christ. That shows the glory of Christ and it, it all comes by the Spirit. So, so when we are utterly shaken, and we, we lose all confidence in ourselves, we look in and we find nothing there. So we look out from ourselves and we look to Jesus. And we thank God that he doesn't treat us as we deserve. That's the Spirit glorifying Christ. Or, or in those times when the accuser is shouting in our ear. And, uh, and we agree with what he says when he says that our sins are vile and deep and we can't move them. And that's all he's saying and he's shouting at it. And yet at the same time we allow the advocate to remind us that there is a Christ in heaven who died for our sins, who ever lives and pleads for us. And his blood cleanses us from all our sin. That is the spirit glorifying Christ. And when we fear what tomorrow might bring, and there's just a storm of unknowns raging around us, and it might be that it's another believer who comes alongside and says, I'll pray for you. And a tiny beam of comfort finds your restless heart and speaks peace. That's the Spirit glorifying Christ. Or or in those times when we haven't got any comfort and we're doubting everything. And yet we read in our Bible that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we don't feel it and we can barely understand it, but we cry to the Lord. That's the Spirit glorifying Christ. Now our worship can look pretty messy at times. It can look muddled. But the Spirit is committed to show the excellence of Jesus. And he does it by applying the work of Christ to the most ruined. The more ruined, the more glorious he shows Christ to be. So we can own our sin before the grace of God because of the work of the Spirit in us. So I'm going to pray again, and then we're going to pray as we sing together. God Almighty, 
Father, Son and Spirit, we praise you that you are the God of our salvation, that you have planned uh, in your three persons how to work that salvation and to bring it to us here today. And we pray, dear God, that you'd help us by your Spirit to offer worship to you as we stand tall in the love of Christ, in all that Christ has done for us. We pray uh, that you would remind us right to the depths of our souls that despite ourselves we are loved and forgiven and held and cleansed and our future is gloriously bright because of what you have done for us. Please work your spirit deeper into our hearts that we might offer great worship to you as we ruined sinners are reclaimed by the mercies of Christ. Amen.